Hi guys, here we are today uh, with Mattia Campalese, Head of Software Engineering for Frontend at Zopa. Mattia, good to have you with us today. Uh, thanks, Lawrence. Hi, it's nice to be with you. How, how did I do on the pronunciation of your name there? Was, was that okay? It was good. It was good. As I said, like, it's uh, pronounced correctly with a British hint to it, which is really well, nice. I, 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 <laughs> I've, I've been practicing. Um, so yeah, so, so look, great to have you with us and thank you for taking the time. Um, just again, start, starting with, with, with the fundamentals. I mean, like, what is Zopa as a company? You know, obviously you guys have been around for a while. So, you know, what, what's, what's the overarching goal for you guys? Yeah, thanks for the question. So uh, Zopa is an interesting company. It's um, it's a tech unicorn per se, because we raise uh, like one of our hundred millions from early investors like Uber to basically build the next generation of best bank and borrowing uh, for borrowing and savings. But it's not a startup itself, it's a scale-up that's been in the market for more than 16 years, being one of the um, early adopter of peer-to-peer lending and building a lot of knowledge and experience on in the lending sector. So it's a unique a company per se here in the UK, and it's uh, regulated by FCA. And we, as I said, launched the uh, banking license more less than two years ago. So technically, is a new bank. And yeah, I mean, you you have actually um, um, evolved, haven't you, over the last yeah. like six months? Okay. And, which is yeah, which is really what one of the aspects I really like about Zopa because he puts the customer at the center and you know pivots the strategy in a way that you don't get stick. To one vision or what, what what to deliver to the to our customers in a way and again as, as one of the i guess i can say this like one of the pioneers in, in the fintech sector um you know you, you've I, th- I think you've been um or should i say i've been fortunate enough to actually take the time and speak to quite a lot of uh engineers a lot of people that work that work at zopa um and culturally like i've spoken to them all like individually like they love the company. Like they really love the company culture. They understand the mission. What, what is it that you guys are um, getting so right in terms of that? Uh, I echo those feelings in a way. Just to say, I'm less than a year in Zopa. I joined in August 2021, and I'm thrilled to be in, in the company itself because, uh, first of all, I think Zopa, as an employer, it puts the people at the center, but as a company itself, it puts the customer at the center. So it's very people-centric. And you can feel it by the way uh, Zopa acts towards its proper employees and its customer. And I guess, and I see, is maybe in my experience, the company where I see the highest retention of people in terms of staying in the company, believing in the project, believing in doing finance for good. Because, you know, we work in, fin- in fintech. Most of the traditional banks and all other uh, challengers, they focus on like on growth or like just the number, targeting the numbers. We are particularly focused on giving the customer a good, buy, a good product in terms of savings and borrowing. So educating them, so educating them where how to spend it, how to save. So people feel they're doing something also good for our user, uh, for for the people, it's not simply just working in fintech here in London. So there's a there's an, I will say, an attachment also to the Zopa values, which builds uh, the resilience in terms of why people stay stay there. On top of that, I will say Zopa, again, in my opinion, is one of the company that is investing much more in addressing the issue of diversity and inclusivity in, in, in the sector, especially in tech. I saw so many initiatives like Code First Girl or Career Changers to actually 
I would say, uh, widen the, broaden the spectrum of, of people that can actually come and work in Zobot and incentivize juniors or new starters to, to, um, to work with us. And I think that creates an environment where people feel safe and feel empowered, which is what we want to be in right now. And, I mean, and in terms of like that with um, feeling empowered, I mean, you know, the, 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 te the teams at Zopa, um, do, do you, I have to ask, because it it's just a weird one, like, like it's, you know, do you, do you socialize a lot outside of work or do you have a lot of like away days or? Uh, I, was having, I was having a joke with um, one of my new starter. Uh, that was like our first fifth month when we joined, when I joined. And I think we've been to more parties in Zopa than I've been in the whole of four years <laughs> before it was in the previous company. No, and I mean, but I was, it was in very positive. And I mean, uh, in, in multiple aspects because uh, in the ways of working, Zopa has embraced fully the hybrid model, which again, in my opinion, it really resonates with, uh, with how, where people are mostly going. Because you mix, like I will say, uh, moments where you have a need burst of collaboration, where you need to cooperate and, and you need to interact with other people by going to the office yeah. in London Bridge. At the same time, you have the ability to focus on yourself, on your project, on your task at home, like I'm doing today right now. Uh, and on top of that, we also offer like 120 days working from abroad, which is a huge uh, wow. perk in terms of flexibility. So really what, what is amazing to see is like, you can find different teams and different people where we are literally blending the words of, of with all the challenges. I mean, I'm not denying that or not, but yeah. people working from abroad with people working remotely and people in the office. And it feels like one, still one big, um, how can I say, uh, well, not team, but like organism in a way works. It doesn't feel detached. People that are feel remote, they are working remote, mostly remote. They are not, feel, not feeling that detached from other people that, that want to go to the office more often. Sure. But I mean, with, with like younger developers, is it harder to like train them if, if, they, are, if they aren't in the office all the time? Um, so... Depends on the uh, on the level, I would say, but in general, as a younger developers, it will prefer to come slightly more often to the office. Yeah. But that's the thing, you don't need the five days. That, that's the point, right? We yeah. have kind of an implicit policy to, it's preferable to work like three days uh, from the office, but as a preference group, especially in those situations. And you realize that organically teams organize themselves around this need. Like if you know there's a new joiner, they will want to come to the office. You will want to go to the office to meet them, to nurture them. And then they go up to speed. We had some people started coming more often to the office. And then once they get, they get settled in the team, they went working from abroad, like, I don't know, for a month during Ramadan or uh, elsewhere or, or working remote again. And it's working perfect because once you, you build a trust, then you develop. We also have an office in Barcelona. So we are kind of uh, used to uh, working with other teams in, in other locations anyway and remotely. And so we also build on that. Nice, nice, nice. So, yeah, I have to say a, a lot of flexibility there, especially oh. with 120 days working abroad. That That's crazy, though. So, you know, I mean, I, 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 mean, guess, I guess if you're doing the tasks, you're doing the tasks. But that, I think, you know, we are mature, right? I mean, people want to be empowered. I mean, I don't know what you think, but I mean, oh, you can oh, see it's, it's completely changed the world in that sense, right? Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I, if I'm honest, I don't like the whole like work from home thing, but I also, you know, I'm part of a very young startup 
Um, so I like all of us. I, I want all of us to be together as much as possible. But I also recognise that it's not it's it's not it's not feasible right now. Um, but the the reality is, is that everyone's working. You know, I like again. You know, it's it, the sun's out shining in London. But I I have all the confidence in the world that my team actually because of the culture, because of how you know we all like respect each other's time and value the mission. You know. We we all we all get our work done, you know. Some Absolutely. work different, some 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 sleep in later than others, but you know. <laughs> but, I, I you know what? Uh, what I'm finding out, like as a people manager, and that I have the opposite problem sometimes. That yeah. due to the flexibility, if you love what you're doing, and and when you are an engineer, when you are a developer, you love coding, and if you create a team, a product where people want to contribute by themselves without being told what to do, that's great. I had the opposite problem of telling them to take holidays, to not reply, to really follow a sync model and not reply in the night or committing code like at 11 p.m. Like the actual opposite in terms of engaging because if you can manage your time, then you know you might have your morning and you have to do your task and then you might decide to do anything else later. Yeah. I, think, I, have, that yeah. I, I have that problem with, like, with uh, uh, one, one of the people around. I have to tell them to take time off. You know, because again, they work from home. I'm like, you're still working. And they're like, what else am I going to do? I'm like, no, just, just <laughs> do whatever. Just, just don't, just don't work. Um, but I mean, I, and just coming back to yourself somewhat, um, you know, what, what, what's your background? How, what's your story? And how did you end up in Zopa? What's my story? I try to summarize because it's not a linear one. Um, so I moved to England almost eight years ago from Italy. Uh, and I started my career here as an iOS developer um, in a trading company, again, FinTech. And then I, in a way, worked my way up uh, being a developer, uh, first permanent and contracting. And then I joined HSBC, where in 2019, I became the principal mobile engineer. So I got the chance to actually uh, touch base on, on the project of scale growth, where we were serving the HSBC personal banking uh, app to 25 markets and more than 20 million uh, users, where ICO had the chance to build software at scale in a way. And I joined Zopa uh, last year um, because of the opportunity here of basically uh, leading the front-end community and bringing front-end closer to the rest of the organization. And especially in particular about um, improving the way we do our mobile proposition. So my core, uh, skill and passion is about mobile, mobile development. I started actually mobile development when I bought my first iPhone in 2008, the iPhone 3G, when it has the map and I fell in love. I was like, okay, that, that's the future. I was studying civil engineering back then in, in Rome. And then I was studying also a bit of coding because I wanted, I wanted an app. And I released an app in 2009, we're talking about 13 years ago, yeah. to actually do calculations for civil engineers. And when I started selling on the store, I said, okay, that's the future. That's my future. That's so. amazing. That's, uh, <laughs> and look, I mean, look, I mean, what is it? 14, 13, 13 years. 13. Later, 13 years later. Um, yeah, like we're, we're, we're all relying on it, right? Um, daily. Yeah. I mean, best the, choice ever, to be fair. <laughs> oh, do, do you know what? I, I, I think one thing I would say is that, like, you know, Steve Jobs and the development of apps and Apple and whoever else was behind it, like they just created like a vacuum of creativity. Like when you think about some of the apps that you, whether it's a game, like say, whether it's a map, like we now all enjoy them, rely on them, 
um, and they, they they have a practical purpose in our daily lives now. So it's an ecosystem that yeah, if you think about fifteen years ago, it was completely. But even ten years ago, when I mean the episode was was just at the beginning, it, it was different. Like it was well, really I different. Work that out. When, when when did when did like the world become like it is now? When did Google become? um what well, now and all these <laughs> yeah well if it, yeah the iphone was released 2007 ipad 2010 but then you know there were moments where it was just just a mobile ecosystem you know the whole engineering was moving towards yeah. cloud scale, scaling system connectivity and internet spread in multiple uh location uh, faster speed if you think about that when, when i joined when i started uni in 2004 I remember back then, uh, computer science was seen as like a niche, something like, oh, you're studying, math, studying maths. Uh, nobody likes that. And the level of people study computer science moving, moved to study civil engineering because back, back then in Italy it was like, oh, okay, you know, construction, that's where, where the money is. Yeah. Thinking about that is incredible how everything has turned completely upside down. I mean, and, and uh, I mean, I, I, I think now, you know, we're seeing this like, very noisy space, um, particularly like, in the fintech sector. So I mean, how, how does a, an organization like Zopa, you obviously have the people, you have the right culture and you scaled that culture, right? As you got bigger and bigger, you know, the culture's improved. Most companies, it's the other way around. So how do you stay... Um, not so much competitive, but how do you stay ahead of the? Yeah, how do you stay ahead of the competition? <laughs> There's a million pound question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if if I had to put in uh, one point, I would say by looking at Zopa, observing its history, I think Zopa has grown at the right pace. It has not grown too fast in terms of customer base, and then you know penalize implicitly the quality of the product, or to be fair, the values of the customer, what the needs of the customer. So they always try to stay on a niche or actually more than a niche, like targeting a specific sector and a specific customer need, which is I want to borrow affordably and I want to save properly and I don't know how to do it. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a big segment of the market, which is left behind by either the completely new banks or the old chunk or the old ones in the sector. So Zopa has been done incredible job to say with, understanding how where the market goes and focus on the lives of the customer. That's really the, the main point because then everything is, is driven on top of that. Um, and we see that from the feedback we get from customer care uh, on Trustpilot and in general, how people are using the product and how they say resilient, especially on this period during COVID and during now this current recession and et cetera. So I think in terms of that, if up until Zopa will continue to put customer at the center and focusing on the skill that they have, uh, in terms of building good borrowing and saving uh, products and products around that proposition, I think they're gonna do great. And and I mean, I mean, are you guys adapting at all for the crypto and blockchain space at all? Like, in terms of uh, is that not your focus? Is well, it's not the focus at the moment. Uh, yeah, but I will I will not say that that is the direction. It's more about uh, in the current traditional world of doing finance uh that's where we are operating yeah. at the moment in in many ways i guess you guys have like got your hands full you know with the... yeah but that's a, yeah exactly i mean i would say this period of the economy is so challenging that every multi-year strategy i mean i, I don't know and i don't have it I, I don't have one but in terms of product 
just by you know staying focused on what we are doing and how we are doing with the market that we know is already a big challenge by itself. Yeah. How do you sorry, just jumping, I'm going back somewhat. Like with, with with regards to like yourself, like did you have a passion for computers at a young age? Like even huh. beforehand? Like was that always the natural progression for you? Um so I started, I would say smashing computers uh with my first 386 uh when I was six years old, I was talking about 1991. I'm not that young anymore. Uh, but I really started coding when I was 14, when I saw Pascal at, at school, and that, I fell in love with that. I fell in love in a way that I stopped doing music and other activities. So I started coding, yeah, I started coding and publishing, you know, Windows software on, you know, on newspaper. I don't know, back then, you could sell like floppy disks or CD-ROMs in the magazines. I am so, old enough to read. Yeah, so I, that, so I, I, had, I still have the copies of them at home. I'm going to show them to my daughters whenever I grow up. Um, so it's always been a passion in a way. But as I said, when I had to choose uni, that, as I said before, computer science was still seen as too pioneeristic in a way. It was too advanced. It was not guarantee of safety you know in italy you say oh you need to choose a path for growth and you're kind of influenced by families and peers and you choose the safe oh, path okay. i always kept the coding on the side in fact my bachelor and master thesis i basically built the software for civil engineering to do calculations and and stuff so I always says it was always a big passion of mine That's a, and 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 again like for, for people now that want to like work in the industry like what do you think they should be doing how, how do they get like because it's so it's so hard in general to stand out like just in anything whether you're a computer scientist a mathematician a lawyer an athlete uh, it doesn't matter like it's, it's such a it's such a it's so hard for the younger generation to stand out are there certain technologies they should be focusing on are there certain things that they should be dedicating their time to I mean, I want to be kind of optimistic on this one and also to give a bit more hope to anyone. I don't think there's been an, never a better period to start uh, to go into tech in general. The amount of uh, possibilities to train, to be upskilled and to jump into coding, for instance, are endless. Um, for instance, there are programs like uh, one of our engineers, he has in his own initiative called Tom Teaches Tech where he actually trains a people that completely no background in coding to actually, you know, web development and to get them to know the, the passion about it and to build something about that. So what I will suggest to everyone, like, don't, like, don't feel overwhelmed. You don't need to send out from day zero. It's, uh, you need to be, you know, the, the game is long, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. So you are there, you first need to do something that you love because if, if you realize that you love building something, then you already won. You just need to be patient, and you and by and naturally you're gonna see the technology that you like more or, or the direction you want to take. So, and I have to ask, when when you're not coding, when you're not focusing on, on Zoco, like what, what are you doing? Are you a traveler? Or are you? Uh, so, if to stay in the tech, of course, I am um, interested in crypto by myself. So I, I observe the, how the space is evolving because it's. I mean, it's another uh, sector which is full of, um, yes, speculation about opportunities and the technology is just mesmerizing. So I wanted to know more. So I usually, I'm in the sector in a way. As a normal person, <laughs> I do travel. I travel often to Italy and you know, friends, music, workouts and stuff. So 
Nice, nice, nice. And you've got those uh, 120 days to... What, what oh, they are, yeah. Can't wait to use them now in the summer. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> I've never heard of another company doing that, to be fair. But Zopa, yeah. I can say that Zopa is pioneering on this. And all, not just that, but it's also providing a way for people in Zopa to go to, to countries where the regulation is uh, easier uh, in terms of you know work permit and, and tax purposes. So uh, it's... Yeah, they really simplified the, the life for, for us if we want to go outside abroad. And and I mean, and, and just just on that, I mean, last question. What is what does the future look like for Zopa? Mm-hmm. It's I think I mean if I can give my impression, little future looks bright, but I'm an optimistic person in nature in a way. But it looks bright because I can see a huge growth in terms of demand of good financial products, sensible products, products that help people for real, not just like a cool banking app or uh, I don't know, an easy way to take a loan. Like I think there's a market, especially in the UK, where people of all sorts of backgrounds can actually improve the way they manage their own money. And as, there's a lot that has to be done there. So if Zopa continues on this strategy, I think there's a, a good margin to do that because I mean, I don't know what you think, but we will always need to manage money, regardless of what we do. Yeah. I, I, Maybe I, the medium will change, but the concept itself will, will no, uh, I, remain. I, I, I actually think that we need to have more services that focus on like discretionary, like discretionary services. That, that that's what I think. I, I think all these, and and it's it's all it's all very exciting. But like when I when I bought my first stock. I think I just like phone up a bank and have it on teletext, like, or used to have like on, um, on like the normal TV here. This is before the internet. Um, but yeah. now like I, you could sit there, you could just trade on Robin Hood or Hargreaves Land or any of these products, just buy and sell, buy and sell all day long. And, and, and the, the challenge for me is, is that I think that, the risk rather not the challenge the risk i think is that we tell people they're investing when they're actually gambling gambling yeah, yeah. i was going to say yeah 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 you so so that's it I, I i think i think there's certainly a demand or at least i think that there should be a demand for more discretionary services where you know, and more education more and better yeah. financial education but that's yeah i don't want to open the pandora box because i guess that's not just with companies also with the education system that Things should teach much better in a way how you manage money, and that, that, that's one thing we that's one thing that we're trying to work on here. You know, mm-hmm. like to again, or like within the education system globally, and it is about like the lessons that like the super rich learn from a very young age that other people exactly. just don't know. You know, like yeah. I, again, I won't go into make that. money. Yeah, work for you. Like all yeah. the rich dad, poor dad. Like, uh, we, we do have this like. And again, this is just my own personal opinion. Like we do have this attitude in the UK where it's like, um, like you, you have to have a portfolio that's like one third equities, one third, third bonds, one third stocks. And, you know, there's no, there's no understanding as to why, you know, you know, yeah. you know we need to be inflation and we need to make sure that we're benchmarking everything. So, so you know, there, there's, there's definitely like, again, that we could open a Pandora's box there. And I <laughs> 
but um, you know, there's definitely a, a need for education, um, and I, I, I think the idea of actually having reputable companies, reputable banks, um, offer these services without someone having to have, you know, a, a ridiculous minimum, you know, entry point of like a quarter of a million or half a million, you know, like that. It, it, it makes it yeah, lowering the barrier because everybody yeah. should afford to invest better and properly. Yeah. And not just being, I don't know, you have to buy a house because that's what they've been told to do is the best investment. Or like you have to save up all your money because that's the only thing you learn. Yeah. That's another Pandora's box. You're yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't want to hear my views on, on home ownership at the moment. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's a very um, unique time. But I think, again, like you, I think I, I remain optimistic in terms of the fact that I think we're sitting at the dawn of a new era of capitalism and i think there's huge opportunity out there so totally. so yeah but matthew great to have you with us so thank you so much for your time thanks and, uh, to you yeah. lawrence no it's great to see you again and uh, yeah i hope you're able to uh, enjoy this london sun yeah you too actually <laughs> great to see you thank you thank you very much